Book One, Chapter Five of *The Clansman*, an historical romance of the Ku Klux Klan by Thomas Dixon Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Chapter Five, The Battle of Love. Elsie carried Ben Cameron's pardon to the anxious mother and sister with her mind in a tumult. The name on these fateful papers fascinated her. She read it again and again with a curious personal joy that she had saved a life. She had entered on her work among the hospitals, a bitter partisan of her father's school, with the simple idea that all Southerners were savage brutes. Yet, as she had seen the wounded boys from the South among the men in blue, more and more she had forgotten the difference between them. They were so young, these slender, dark-haired ones from Dixie, so pitifully young. Some of them were only fifteen, and hundreds not over sixteen. A lad of fourteen she had kissed one day in sheer agony of pity for his loneliness. The part her father was playing in the drama on which Ben Cameron's life had hung puzzled her. Was his the mysterious arm back of Stanton? Echoes of the fierce struggle with the President had floated through the half-open door. She had implicit faith in her father's patriotism and pride in his giant intellect. She knew that he was a king among men by divine right of inherent power. His sensitive spirit, brooding over a pitiful lameness, had hidden from the world behind a frowning brow like a wounded animal. Yet her hand, in hours of love, when no eye save God's could see, had led his great soul out of its dark lair. She loved him with brooding tenderness, knowing that she had gotten closer to his inner life than any other human being, closer than her own mother, who had died while she was a babe. Her aunt, with whom she and Phil now lived, had told her the mother's life was not a happy one. Their natures had not proved congenial, and her gentle Quaker spirit had died of grief in the quiet home in southern Pennsylvania. Yet there were times when he was a stranger even to her. Some secret, dark and cold, stood between them. Once she had tenderly asked him what it meant. He merely pressed her hand, smiled wearily, and said, Nothing, my dear, only the blue devils after me again. He had always lived in Washington, in a little house with black shutters, near the Capitol, while the children had lived with his sister, near the White House, where they had grown from babyhood. A curious fact about this place on the Capitol Hill was that his housekeeper, Lydia Brown, was a mulatto, a woman of extraordinary animal beauty and the fiery temper of a leopardess. Elsie had ventured there once and gotten such a welcome she would never return. All sorts of gossip could be heard in Washington about this woman, her jewels, her dresses, her airs, her assumption of the dignity of the presiding genius of national legislation, and her domination of the old commoner and his life. It gradually crept into the newspapers and magazines, but he never once condescended to notice it. Elsie begged her father to close this house and live with them. His reply was short and emphatic impossible my child this club foot must live next door to the capitol my house is simply an executive office at which i sleep half the business of the nation is transacted there don't mention this subject again 
elsie choked back a sob at the cold menace in the tones of this command and never repeated her request it was the only wish he had ever denied her and somehow her heart would come back to it with persistence and brood and wonder over his motive the nearer she drew this morning to the hospital door the closer the wounded boy's life and loved ones seemed to hers she thought with anguish of the storm about to break between her father and the president the one demanding the desolation of their land wasted harried and unarmed the president firm in his policy of mercy generosity and healing her father would not mince words his scorpion tongue set on fires of hell might start a conflagration that would light the nation with its glare would not his name be a terror for every man and woman born under southern skies the sickening feeling stole over her that he was wrong and his policy cruel and unjust she had never before admired the president it was fashionable to speak with contempt of him in washington he had little following in congress nine-tenths of the politicians hated or feared him and she knew her father had been the soul of a conspiracy at the capitol to prevent his second nomination and create a dictatorship under which to carry out an iron policy of reconstruction in the south and now she found herself heart and soul the champion of the president she was ashamed of her disloyalty and felt a rush of impetuous anger against ben and his people for thrusting themselves between her and her own yet how absurd to feel thus against the innocent victims of a great tragedy she put the thought from her still she must part from them now before the brewing storm burst it would be best for her and best for them this pardon delivered would end their relations she would send the papers by a messenger and not see them again and then she thought with a throb of girlish pride of the hour to come in the future when ben's big brown eyes would be softened with a tear when he would learn that she had saved his life they had concealed all from him as yet she was afraid to question too closely in her own heart the shadowy motive that lay back of her joy she read again with a lingering smile the name ben cameron on the paper with its big red seal of life she had laughed at boys who had made love to her dreaming a wider nobler life of heroic service and she felt that she was fulfilling her ideal in the generous hand she had extended to these who were friendless were they not the children of her soul in that larger finer world of which she had dreamed and sung why should she give them up now for brutal politics their sorrow had been hers their joy should be hers too she would take the papers herself and then say good-bye she found the mother and sister beside the cot ben was sleeping with margaret holding one of his hands the mother was busy sewing for the wounded confederate boys she had found scattered through the hospital at the sight of elsie holding aloft the message of life she sprang to meet her with a cry of joy she clasped the girl to her breast unable to speak at last she released her and said with a sob my child through good report and through evil report my love will enfold you elsie stammered looked away and tried to hide her emotion margaret had knelt and bowed her head on ben's cot she rose at length threw her arms around elsie in a resistless impulse kissed her and whispered my sweet sister elsie's heart leaped at the words as her eyes rested on the face of the sleeping soldier End of book one chapter five